This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more info on the shows and the network, visit www.podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now for free at podmetrics.co. Hi, this is Michael Wades, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mario Peng, the CEO and founder at Flexstate Rentals. Mario, how are you doing today? Very good. Good morning. Good morning to you, too. Can you give our listeners a bit of your background for context? So initially, I did about four years in investment banking and private equity. Oh, wow. And I uh, moved over to Thailand to co-found an online travel agency with actually one of the original co-founders of Foodpanda. And we brought that to about $150 million in growth working value and 125 staff. And we sold in 2017. Um, thereafter, so it's a private equity firm we sold it to. So I spent a little bit time on the venture capital side investing, but I noticed that I just prefer more building businesses. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I basically went, um, started a, a venture builder. And uh, one of the big th- topics that I noticed was that the residential rental market in Thailand is basically complete, complete chaos. So if you go on a, on a classified and you try to find a property, in 80% of the cases, it's it's either fake or just not available. Got it. And uh, I was looking at it, and uh, when I built the online travel agency, an online travel agency is something you can go. It's a marketplace where you go and find a hotel, and you can easily go and book it. And I was like, why can we not do it? Uh, make residential rental as simple as going and, and booking a hotel. And that's basically the starting point. How how I started. Uh, because this is a big business model, I basically needed to jump myself into and stop basically the, the venture building and just focus on one, one business. Now. I remember that happening at Ardent Capital as well. Let's let's build a venture builder. You find a big idea and you just get sidetracked by it. You know what I mean? In a good way, not in a bad way. I'm curious why you left the investment banking world and where was that? Was that in Europe somewhere? That was uh, back in Switzerland. In Switzerland. Um, so first you did investment banking and then you want to go as a, well, my ultimate goal was always to go into private equity. Right, right, There's right. two ways to go into you do it consulting or investment banking. Investment banking is actually the faster way. Um, yeah, then, then I achieved to get into private equity, which is, is interesting. Um, but it was a little bit shallow for me. Um, you would. We will go through so many transactions and not really understand what's going on. Right? You, you do just financial analysis, basically, but you don't understand the business model. You don't understand the market. And eventually, you just make a decision on, on multiples. And uh, I just wanted to be closer in the business and, and build something myself. Is there this feeling inside you? You said you already built one business. I think I know what it is. I mean, I definitely know what it is. You sold it to a private equity company, and then you went to start to building a venture builder, which is a completely different animal. But then you said you kind of started looking at things and you got to the rental market. Is there something inside you that just says like you want to build stuff from scratch? Yes. Yes. That's basically my, my motivation. I, I want to see a problem go in and, and how can I solve it? At the beginning, when you, when you started, it's always very, very uh, difficult and painful. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, uh, it's just, um, it's fun to build it from scratch. That that's basically the motivation. Yeah. I, I like to go in and start building and to slowly see the revenue coming in. At the beginning, it's always slower than you want it. Then suddenly, you know, once you have really built the product, it suddenly st- starts scaling, and that's really fun. Yeah, that's really cool, right? So one of the things you said earlier was that 
you, when you looked at the rental market, it seemed really chaotic. Can you just give a slightly deeper explanation on what the structural chaos is in the rental market in Thailand and then maybe in Bangkok in particular? Well, it starts with being here in Thailand, you have a lot of property portals or they're also called vertical classifieds. Uh, and there's about 10 plus and uh, none of them is really dominant. So the largest is basically property with about 25% market share. So none is dominating completely. So for, for an agent, you can choose between the platforms. And if one you don't want to pay, you just don't go on it and, and you don't lose business. This completely different. For example, my co-founder has, uh, has been working for Scout24 in Germany, uh, which is uh, an enormous uh, classified, it's about an $8 billion company now, and they dominate the market. So if, if you as an agent are not on that platform, you have no business. And here in Thailand, this is not the case. You can just go to any of those. And apart from the top three, the rest is basically free. But that's, but that's really interesting because who did you mention? Didi Property and Thailand Property have 25 and 17%. If I remember what you said correctly, that's 42% of the market in two. The rest of it's really fragmented. Now, we've talked about this before. What that really means is that none of the new portals that have started, that we've seen funded over the last, I don't know, five years or so, have really gained that much market share. Is that a fair statement? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I did not know that. So you're looking at this and you're thinking, okay, it's really fragmented, but what are the benefits of this online thing that people are trying to do? In other words, what's the benefit of DD Property and what's going to make it better, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe to, to give you a little bit more background on, on the Please. fragmentation. And so what happens then on the other side, you have the, so for the property portals, the customers are agents, right? In 90% of the cases, 10% are all owners. So these agents get the inventory from the owners, and but the inventory is not exclusive. Right. So you might have a property and another agent has to say, so the agents have no incentive to pay a lot of marketing costs to push one single property. So you have on one hand side, agents not being willing to pay. On the other side, you have portals not being able to charge a lot because they have no market value. Right. So the, the result is basically the property portals are able to only get about 2% of the whole value creation. And the uh, agents are taking 98% of the value creation. And they're also highly fragmented. So we calculate in Thailand, there's about 50,000 uh, real estate agents. And in Southeast Asia, it's about 200,000. And basically, these mom and pop shops, they, they take all the market share, but none, none, not one single one takes, takes a lot. So it's, it's very fragmented. But that's also interesting. You said that for the portals, that the client or the customer is the agent, not the owner. Correct. Yeah. So it feels like a misalignment of uh, you know, benefits for people. To, is, am I wrong there? Well, the, the thing is, I mean, owners are normally very rich right especially here in Thailand. so they don't want to do the they don't want to go and, and upload the listing themselves no to, way. The, to the portals so basically they give it to the agents and that's why the agents are basically the, the 90 percent of what you see on portals right so talk to me a little bit about how covid has impacted the rental market in thailand i mean it, the re and one of the reasons why i ask is because i was in a conversation with a friend of mine this morning and he said to me, I'm stuck on this little island. I asked him how he was doing. And I thought, wait, is he on like Koh now or something like that? And then I realized, no, he's in Hong Kong. And there they still have restrictions. But here I feel like it's 
kind of back to normal, no? It is. So the rental market is a little bit depressed because um, you do have the foreigners predominantly being renting, but not, I mean, also the locals do rent. So currently you just have no new foreigners coming in right. and looking for new rentals. So it is a little bit depressed, but the people that are here, they continue need to rent to rent. Yeah. And so I want to just talk about the rental stuff. You're not doing anything on the property purchase side yet, are you? No. Okay. I presume at some point, yeah, I presume at some point you'll move into there. And just one more thing on COVID. Has it changed your ability to hire people? And do you have a BOI license? We are in, in final steps of BOI license. Okay, good stuff. We should soon have it. In terms of hiring, so we really started the hiring machine uh, in July this year. Got it. So at the beginning, we we did think that, you know, many of the, the talents are because of COVID actually concerned. So they're trying to go to the big brands. They don't uh, want to join a startup. Right. But but now, the next few weeks, last few weeks, we really got um, very good traction, actually. So we have very good talents coming in and the pipeline is full. And, and we're hiring constantly. So we're hiring now about four to five agents a month. Oh, wow. So what is your relationship with agents? So I want to talk about like how that works with you. And does it take a certain amount of convincing for them to come work with you? And once they do, are they just super pumped to be there? Do you know what I mean? Like, is their impression of what you're doing and the reality of what you're doing different? That I don't know, honestly. <laughs> but uh, basically, I see... So we're trying to we hire preferably fresh graduates. Ah, okay. Their salary expectations is basically when they go into the market, uh, their salaries are, are very low and we are basically outpaying that easily. So we have a, a, a small base, which is basically what they would normally get anywhere else. And then we have about 25% commission on top. And with that, they get more money than in any other starting job. And so we look for people that are just have a very good English skill, very good Thai skill, of oh, course, right. uh, good sales skill and are super hungry. That's about it. We don't need more. Got and it. then we coach them on our system and then they become productive. And what is, the, what is the selling point for them? In other words, is it easier for them to work with you than it is to work independently? Like if they're independent, don't they get more freedom for their time and all this other stuff? Mm. Well, if they work independently in the real estate industry as a freelancer, they normally close about one to two rental per month. If they're norm, work in a normal agency, they close about four to five rental per month. With us, our best do about nine per month. Oh, wow. Okay. So they can do much more. And probably make a ton more money. But so does that mean you've built some... Yeah, yeah hopefully, right? Does that mean you've <laughs> built some proprietary technology? Like, what's the tech angle here that makes this so efficient? So there's a multiple thing. Maybe I address first uh, the non-tech and then I can address the tech. Please. So because we focus only on rental, uh, we can do rental better than others. Big uh, buy. So basically in other agencies, they would be distracted, we call, by sales. And the sale normally takes about half a year to close, a rental about two weeks. So they only focus on the rental, so they can close very well on that one. The second one is supply. They don't need to get supply. Uh, meaning properties. We have a dedicated team to do that. And so our, our agents are only focusing on the tenant side. And as much as we know from other agencies, normally they require the tenant, uh, their, their agents to focus about a third of their time on supply. So that, that's the benefit. So they can focus 100% on tenants. And then in terms of technology, 
So I have to admit, right now they don't have it yet. Right. So I'm talking about what we're going to build. I understand. So basically, we automate as much as possible. We look into what is currently happening in the market, what are the agents right now doing, and how can we bring these processes, either digitize them or automate them. These are things like, okay, a lead comes in, goes automatically into a database. In the future, we will automatically compare and find similar listings and propose them. We, for, we will check whether availability uh, listing is available or not. So our agents don't need to call up anymore uh, to figure this out. We will easily show them whether it's actually a good deal. So they don't need to know this. We, we have all the intelligence. We will um, also recommend which properties they should. Then we go all the way down on automatic scheduling visits and then automated uh, routing of their, their route. Oh, wow. So the ultimate goal should be if uh, an agent wakes up in the morning, pulls out their phone, sees the schedule they need to do, they go to, to a property, visit it. If the tenant likes it, then they close the deal, of course, uh, online with uh, modular contracts. And if they don't like it, they pull out their iPad, ask the tenant what they're really looking for, immediately find it and show it to the uh, potential tenant. And they can go and see it either the same day or the next day, depend, depends on availability. Got it. So I've got a few tech questions. The first is, you talked before about multiple listings, but also how something like 80%, again, if I remember the number correctly, mm -hmm. of listings are either fake or not really there or haven't been updated. So I just want to start with that. How do you protect against that on your system? In other words, if I go to flexday.rentals and mm -hmm. I find a property how do I know it's actually real? Okay. It depends on timing. So if you go on it now, yeah, we don't have it yet. Okay. So what we're building is basically the big difference to, for us, the customer is either the, so we make money when we have make a, a close, we close a deal and we right. get the commission. And if we work with a co-broker, we pay the co-broker half of, of that. Got commission. it. Got it. But so both owners and co-brokers can upload their inventory to us, but we don't automatically market it. We check it first. You do. We verify it. We improve it. And only then we market it. And then if a lead comes in, our internal team will process the lead and then talk to the co-broker or the owner. So there is no direct connection between the, the tenant and the co-broker or the owner. So we can ensure that we have a good quality. Got it. And what about the chat? So one of the things that happens during, you know, when I did this for my insurance thing a couple of weeks ago is I chat to my insurance agent over Line or over WhatsApp. Are you trying to build a platform as well that's going to allow people to stay on FlexDay when they're talking to their agent? In other words, white label, maybe some kind of chat so that it stays in there? I've always thought that this was a good idea, and I'm just wondering if you've thought about that as well. Mm. You know, it's not that hard. Like you can white label that and just keep people there. Is that a, a good thing or a bad thing? So that that people stay in our ecosystem. We have a, just a chat, like uh, when you chat on Airbnb or within Grab, etc. Yep, yep. It's something we we could potentially do in the in the future. It helps to prevent fraud. Yeah, it's going through your system. Right. The issue is at the beginning, if you're not a, a dominant company, then you know people want to work, want to chat in their normal systems. So we just allow whatever they want. Either they want to chat in line, they want to chat in line official, they want to chat in, in Facebook, uh, WeChat, WhatsApp, whatever. 
we just offer everything. I want to understand your use of data, right? In other words, if you want to be a dominant player in the real estate business and you want to then automate all these processes, and I want to talk about that again in a second as well. How do you see building sort of data and data science into what you do and how is that going to impact people's ability to properly interact in the rental market? Well, this is super important. This is also going to be one of the modes that, that we're building is because even if someone comes in with more more money at, at a later point in time, once we we have built a system, we know actual transaction data. Right. We know the contact to the owners. We have the contact to the co-brokers. And we actually review all of those contacts as well. So over time, we know exactly who, who is a good partner and who isn't. And we just, whoever is a good partner, whoever brings us good listings, so we'll rate the listings dependent on, on what we're looking for. For example, we want to have good content. We want to have a video. We want to have it verified. Uh, we want to have a good price, of course. Right? The more of those parameters are met, the more the score is. And if it's, let's say, it's, it's 100%, so then we push it on our platform up. But that's just one point. Also on the portals, we would start paying more for marketing costs for those listings. Well, if you don't give it to us, then you just want a more listing on the platform, but, but on the bottom somewhere. And what do you think the response is going to be from some of the other portal companies out there? I look at them and I don't see a ton of innovation. That's, those are my words, not your words. But what are they going to do when you're starting to gather transaction data? I, I don't think they're doing that yet. At least they're trying to. But that's going to be like really secret sauce, I think. Well, they they can't because the transactions are not going through their, their platform. That's my point. They, on, they only see the marketed rates, which isn't the same as the, the transacted rates. Right? So for them, we, we're basically a partner. A, we are bringing them for we are their customer, and they are for us our marketing channel, right? Right. Basically, we what we help them is since we improve the quality of the listings, they also want to have good listings, right? Since we have availability information, if they allow us to to market it on their platform, saying this property is, is available, that's actually good for them as well, right? So, and in terms of transaction data, we can see maybe we can share, right? I see this as a partnership there. And the better we improve the listings, the better they can market. Very simple. Got it. Is, is the market microstructure different in Bangkok than it is in, let's say, Chiang Mai or Phuket? It's a question I can't answer yet. Honestly, we, we haven't looked into that deep into it. So this is right now, our, our main focus is Bangkok and building the technology. So all we do, like the money we raise now, is mainly invested into technology. As we build the technology, we, we get more leads, and with that, we build more sales team, and they give us instant feedback on the technology. So it's a, it's a very quick feedback loop, but that's what, what we all at the moment care about. We're not too much thinking about the expansion rate. You know, we really want to make it happen really well in Bangkok first, and basically build the technology. So walk, walk me through this from like a, because it's like a multi-sided market, right? And one of the things you said earlier, and it actually made me smile, was you wondered why renting an apartment or a condo or a house wasn't as easy as literally signing on to, you know, your hotel app and saying, I'm going to be in Singapore for two days, give me the best deal or, you know, in three days from now. And it really was simple. I mean, I used it to book hotels. <laughs> I think, you know, most people did. Why is it so much harder? And what's your flow? Like when you see the flow, how do you see that from front to back in your ideal world? Like when you build things the way you exactly want it, what is it going to look like? So you mean from the tenant side, right? Um, so I mean from the whole side, right? Because when a tenant looks up something, they're going to try to want to find it. But there's a whole back end that's going on with 
the owner getting the listing on, the agent, you already talked about a little bit, but just that whole flow, just how can it be made easier? Yeah? Right, so, so in terms of uploading listings uh, by co-broker or by owners, it will be very similar to what you see on Airbnb, basically. Uh, we will guide both parties how to you know, nicely market the properties. We will instantly, when they put in the price, um, have a price calculation and say, okay, this is actually a very good rate. Uh, we think you can rent it out within two weeks. Or we say, hey, this rate is way too high. Uh, it'll probably take six to 12 months or you're never going to rent it out at this price. So that's the supply. We move it in very similar to Airbnb. It's basically, if you rent something long-term, you do want to go and see it. And that's where Airbnb breaks, right? Because Airbnb wants that you book online, which uh, right. a few people do, a few people do up to six months, very few do up to 12 months, right? So that's that's the big difference in there, right? And from us, it is once you found your property, you should go on our platform, find maybe five listings that you like, right? You, you look at online at 500 properties, you have good pictures, you have a video, you can really drill down what, what you think is, is nice, you know whether it's available or not, and then you select five and, and you go and see with you these five and, and you're most likely going to sign for one of those right, right. because you already selected. Yeah, so that's the big difference because right now you will do viewings because you don't have the right content. You have a few pictures, you kind of know how the property looks like, but not really, so you need to go and see it. Right, and sometimes you walk in first two minutes, you know you don't want it. Right, <laughs> for sure. So you waste all your time. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was one of my biggest problems when I lived in Tokyo. I remember when I first moved there, the original real estate agents would just show you what I always thought was like their bottom feeding properties, and you just knew when you got there, you're like, I don't even want to go upstairs. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not living in this neighborhood, and I'm not living in this building. And yeah, it was a complete waste of time. So eliminating that would be great. Do you think, because Airbnb in some places like gets into the collateral business, which means that they'll go and take photos and try to do that stuff as well. Do you envision that happening? You know, like Lazada takes pictures of the iPhone to make it look better kind of thing. So what I see it combined with the scoring system, so if, if we get a, a great property at a great price and we know we're going to rent it out, right? Uh, then we go in, but not for the for the big majority. Okay. So if you just think it's a high high possible prospect, you'll go in and do that, but otherwise not. And I guess on the flip side, a lot of Airbnb people use these external services or create them to do cleaning. I mean, everybody in Bangkok has a maid at some level, right? Is there a way to make money by connecting to those businesses as well to provide sort of ancillary or supplementary services? There is. We know other players in the market are doing it. Uh, not in this market and in other markets. Okay. It's something we, we, we will look into uh, later in point. But right now, we're just focusing very much, we're very much more focused. And right now, it's just about making uh, renting a property as simple as possible. And then afterwards, we can really look into while you were there, what, how can we make the experience better. Got it. I have a couple more things for you, and, and then I'll let you go. You're... One of your previous startups, you said you built into 125 people. It's a big staff. And you did, what do you say, $150 million of turnover as well? So it's big. Yeah. What do you think you learned from that whole process of building, scaling, and then selling that business that you can apply to what you're doing now? Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a. I was their co-founder and CFO initially, and then later I took on marketing as well and, and, and COO. So um, basically, as a co-founder, you're involved in all of the departments. 
Right. Um, and you scale from zero all the way up to 225 staff. And at any step on the, this company movement, uh, there's new challenges. The, the thing is, challenges are similar between companies in different industry, but we are now building something that is very similar. Yeah. It's actually there's similarities you know, in terms of market, same marketing channels, uh, in terms of same sales setup, in terms, terms of also technologically, there's very many uh, similarities. Um, yeah, but I think the, the biggest challenge for, or the biggest learning for a founder is really going through, you know, having first 10, or having first just a founder team, then having 10 people, suddenly 30. Each step is a new challenge. This is basically the biggest challenge for, for a founder, right? Because if, if you select the right people to do marketing, you don't need to be the expert in marketing, right? But you need to be able to select the right people. And this is the skill set that you that you is the most transferable from from what I did before. Yeah, I think it's the most important thing by far. And the last thing I'll ask you is, um, are you in the process of raising money? Mm-hmm. You are okay. Can you yeah. talk about Can you talk about that a little bit so people can get a better sense of where you are in that process? Sure. So currently, we're raising a seed round of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Got it. About four hundred seventy have already been committed. That's awesome. So we're very good on track. We have actually quite more interest. They're just looking at the business, and we have also signed with a syndicate that wants actually to take the rest of the round. So that should then hopefully be closed by end of October. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. Have you ever done that before? Uh, no, it's the first time. Uh, but we got recommended by people we trust. That uh, actually multiple people recommended the syndicate. And uh, luckily, they, they want to work with us. So um, yeah, we signed actually two two weeks ago. We will be pitching October 6th. Okay. And then we should know very quickly whether we close, uh, fin- uh, close the remaining of the round with, through them. But it looks very promising. And what is it like doing a virtual pitch? I presume that's happening over Zoom or Skype or something like that. Is it viscerally different than it is pitching face-to-face, like in person? It is different, and uh, it, it plays to my advantage. Uh, I don't like to uh, stand in front of people and present. Having a video call is much easier for me. Really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know that, actually. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it at all. I don't mind the video stuff, and as you know, I don't mind standing up in front of people and talking either, so it's, it's just a different skill set. But yeah, okay. Well, that's really cool. Look, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Mm, the best is probably um, on LinkedIn okay. um, or, or can send me an email. Um, what's your, I, yeah, what's yeah, what's your email address? Okay, it's, it's mario at flexday.rentals. I love it. I didn't even know there was a .rentals domain. We couldn't afford the .com. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't even know it was a thing. I looked it up this morning and I'm like, really? .rentals? That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of cool. But it also uh, leads to a lot of confusion, so uh, we need to uh, we need to a little bit think about the name. Actually, uh, we, we might change it because people are confused with short term rental, confused with Airbnb. So probably we need to change it. Is it early enough in the development of the company for you to be able to change the name? Do you know what I mean? I have not a good view on it, honestly. It's I just know it's it's not the perfect name for what we do, and so we need to find we need to figure out when we do the change. Got it. Um, I need to ask some PR experts and 
I got it. Okay. Look, I won't take up any more of your time, Mario. This was awesome. I really appreciate you coming and doing this with very short notice, actually. So thank you very much again for doing this. The CEO and founder of Flex Day Rentals, Mario Pang. This was really great. Perfect. Thank you very much.